Hey, this is Olympic champion Scott Hamilton, the real Scott Hamilton, reminding you to listen to the other Scott Hamilton show every day right here on ESPN Charleston because he's nearly as smart as the real Scott Hamilton, just not as good looking. Yeah, Ole Miss playing at both Bama and Georgia. I'm telling you, Lane, maybe just an exasperated sigh when he was given that. Just, I don't know. I, I, I'm working on my Lane impersonation. I don't know. You know, I, uh, I'm better at my Jimbo. Jimbo now, he saw it and went, well, that's just, you know, we, that's just typical. I'll lay off the impersonations. South Carolina schedule, though, I, I like it. There's enough balance to it. Having those home games to wrap up the regular season, ginormous. A lot of quality opponents as far as non-conference. That UNC game's big. It, it really is big. And we're going to see more of that. As the college football playoff begins to expand, we get to that point where it expands, we're going to hear more about these deals. Schools are going to be more aggressive. Even for the G5s, like the dangerous G5s, and we asked Doug Gillen, the athletic director of Appalachian State, this question last week. I said, are we going to have a world where App State is no longer a guaranteed game, but instead a quality non-conference opponent that you don't have to pay to come, you don't have to agree to some kind of lopsided deal, you get a one-for-one. You go to their place, they're going to come to your place, and that's what's going to happen. But I digress. Let's break down this 2023 SEC schedule with our friend Peter Burns of the SEC Network. Peter's making his weekly appearance on the Scott Hamilton Show thanks to Blue Delta Jeans, each pair of Blue Delta Jeans, handmade in the USA to fit you and only you. And if you're new to Blue Delta Jeans, well, let's get you fit. Visit BlueDeltaJeans.com. Peter, happy hump day. Uh, what's up? You know, Scott, what's interesting, you are talking about App State in it was funny because I was thinking about it last night. I'm like, dude, nobody, nobody should schedule App State anymore. Like when App State, like you, you know, like sometimes you get phone calls from people that you know are just like 1-800 numbers or they're like telling you about your car warranty. Like if App State's athletic director calls you, there's no kind of like just say no. Like because they are just been kind of this like thorn in people's side, uh, you know, for the last couple of years. And, of course, they uh, College Station, they're still talking about that loss that they just had to the uh, to, to App State. You know, yeah, you you send the text message, uh, new phone, who dis? New phone, yeah. who dis? Yeah, I'm not taking this. <laughs> Peter, Peter, is there is there a basketball equivalent to this? Would it be like a George Mason, a VCU under Shaka Smart? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it changed so much. I mean, hell, it used to be Gonzaga until they made their run with Mark Few, like, you know, two decades ago. Um, but, you know, and, and it it kind of changes a little bit with basketball simply for the fact of, Hey, you know, um, you're always you're changing over the roster. I mean, one of the teams like that was Stephen F. Austin. You know, Stephen F. Austin was in Nacogdoches, Texas. Like nobody even really knows where it's at, and yet they always have like these like six year senior guys um, that are always kind of a pain. But yeah, I mean, that was you know interesting when we start looking at the 2023 schedule. And again, we're the only we're the only fan base, SEC fans are the only fan base that would require us doing an hour-long show to talk about next year's schedule. Like, that's how crazy and rabid our fans are. I, I compared it to the Oscar nomination reveal show. 
right? And, and all the pomp and circumstances, and people are circling their calendars. Oh, we're going to get next. It's not even like the NFL, Peter, where they where they do the schedule release in the spring for the following season. I mean, we are in week four of this college football season, and I'm already looking at the last four opponents for South Carolina next year. Well, yeah, I mean, because again, I think what happens is, you know, college football is probably more so than any sport built on the currency of hope, right? You, you, you're hoping that something goes well, and if things are not going well, like for Gamecock fans, I mean, obviously the injuries played a lot of that, and a lot of it was, you know, running into the, easily the number one team in the country in Georgia. You start looking at it going, okay, if what are we building upon this year, and what are the realistic expectations that we could cut through next year? And that's why you start looking at these schedules. So, I mean, and, you know, it's, it's fascinating to me that, you know, in college football, you have to look two or three years down the road because you, it's hard to build a roster of 115 players overnight. Do you get the sense, and, and I do for a couple of different reasons that I can elaborate on in a moment, but do you get the sense that this schedule might have been especially challenging and especially impacted by the uncertainty of when Tennessee and Oklahoma are coming aboard. Yeah, for Texas and Oklahoma, right. And I, I, a little bit of that. I mean, like Georgia, if you look at how easy their schedule is next year, you're like, oh, my gosh, like how are they ever going to lose another ball game? I mean, it's, it, it's, it's a bunch of snoozers for them. But you also realize they were scheduled to go to Oklahoma. But because you know they weren't able to go there and come back, I think it kind of tips the hand to where the SEC is preparing for Texas and Oklahoma to not come in necessarily in 2025, but in 2024, or at least, you know, make sure there are no hurdles to make that happen if the negotiations do go that way. So I'm a still firm believer that in 2024, college football will look different. I think we'll have an expanded football playoff to 12 teams. We'll see Texas and Oklahoma entering the conference, and I think the whole conference will go to nine conference games. Uh, and I think, you know, this year and next year will be the last one that we see of, of divisions as well. We're joined by Peter Burns, SEC Network. Follow him on Twitter at Peter Burns ESPN. And, Peter, I know who cuts you checks. I know you work for the network of the Southeastern Conference, but I'm still wanting to get your take on this. We got news last week that the SEC had directed Georgia and Tennessee to, quote, postpone series with uh, Oklahoma that would have been non-conference moves. Uh, non-conference games, however. How, how should we interpret that? What do you see in the tea leaves coming out of that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the tea leaves, like, and like I had just said, is, is the fact that, you know, they're coming perhaps sooner than later. And again, like contractually, it's their Texas and Oklahoma are supposed to be here in 2025. But to me, I look at this and go, all right, let's clear the board. Let's make sure that you know, if if we can negotiate well with the Big 12, and, and really that's Texas and Oklahoma negotiating. That's not the SEC. But I think that is just the SEC clearing the board going, hey, Texas and Oklahoma, if, if you want to jump over here earlier, I mean, we can, we can make sure scheduling is not going to be a big part of that. So, um, listen, there's so many factors at play in Birmingham right now in the league office between that and divisions and future scheduling and oh by the way it's not just college football right i mean everybody forgets you know that hey you know basketball baseball softball these other sports are a part of it as well too so you know even though college football is that you know near and dear to our heart it's the biggest thing here in the sec and there's a lot more that just goes involved of just you know oh yeah they'll just play a football schedule here it's uh, i don't i don't envy the people in these uh you know these front offices by any means 
I'll elaborate on that by a moment to say that that is one of the things that makes the SEC so beautiful, though, because despite the fact that it is more bloated than it's ever been and it's going to be even bigger, it still makes sense geographically. And the travel, not quite as arduous for the non-revenue sports, for the Olympic sports, as it would be in, say, the Big Ten, the Big 12, and every other conference in college football. Yeah, I mean, I think even Greg Sankey has talked about contiguous states, about, you know, states that kind of touch each other as, as, as opposed to, you know, UCLA having to go out to Rutgers for a volleyball match, right? Like, that doesn't make a whole lot of sense. But the problem is, is for some of these programs, especially in the Big Ten, it's like, hey, how do we keep the spigot on? You know, how, how do we make money? And, and I think you look at this two different ways. And what you, athletic departments now look at is going – hey, it's more important for us to get a monster television deal and then try to build into something than to win. Because who cares if we win unless we're getting a bunch of money for doing so? So, I mean, you look at Nebraska. Nebraska was a force to be reckoned with over in the Big 12, and then when they got to the Big 10, they haven't been able to do anything, right? So, I mean, it's a, um, you know, it's tough, but I think every athletic director is going to look at it going, where can we get the most amount of money, which will give us the most amount of funds for our departments? Peter, through your sources and everybody you know, do you do you get any sense of what the scheduling model might ultimately look like for the SEC? I mean, I would be shocked at this point if it's not nine uh, conference games, and I think it's you know kind of like a pod system. But basically, what you would do is you would each school would have three permanent opponents that you would play. So instead of just the one, you know, big rivalry game, you would have three of those that stay on the schedule every year. And then, you know, you would play the other six teams one year, and then you would flip it and play the other six year, other six teams the next year. So in essence, if you do it right, that means that, you know, South Carolina will play every single school in the SEC every other year, you know, like, so, and you can, and within four years, you'll play them once at home and once away. And I think that's more equitable. Like, it's not fair for the last, you know, what decade or so when Georgia started becoming really good and Auburn still trying to find its footing is, hey, that Auburn football has to play the toughest division of college football. And, oh, by the way, they still got to play Georgia football. Like, I mean, that's absolutely brutal for them. So, you know, it'll be more equitable at that point, and I hope that we get there sooner than later. And, Peter, just a couple more minutes, please. My, my final question on this topic, I, I, I want to ask you this. Could the biggest challenge – from the fan base perspective, and maybe from an institutional perspective, is retraining our brain to come up with a new definition for what a rivalry actually is. And maybe we need to accept the fact that a rivalry doesn't have to be something we play each and every year. Uh, Alabama and Tennessee hasn't been relevant for a long, long, long time. I don't think it needs to be part of the mix. It doesn't need to be a part, a permanent deal with Alabama and Tennessee, but it's cool if they play maybe every two years or every four years, to your point. What's your take? Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm spot on with that. In fact, you know, I, people were saying, oh, Texas and A&M have to play every single year when they come in. And I go, honestly, I said, I, there's some intrigue, although I'd like to see it every year. Actually, some ways it builds it up even bigger that you don't get it every year. I mean, you know, the Ryder Cup, you know, you follow golf. The Ryder Cup would not nearly be as big of an event if you had it every year. But because there's a two-year buildup for one of the biggest events in, in the game of golf, you get you get rolling and you're, you're excited about it. So yeah, I'm a I'm a firm believer that sometimes absence makes the heart grow fonder or feistier in this in this way of college football. So um, you know, mark me as a person that uh, two years if you got to wait two years that that's fine. 
What's not fine is the fact that Georgia has still never visited Kyle Field and played at, at Texas A&M. Like that's that shouldn't happen. Some you know twelve, fourteen years since they joined. So my my thought on that is I expected it next year. I'm a little shocked it's not happening. Uh, uh, two thoughts, Peter. Then I'll let you go. Uh, one thought: uh, WVU Pittsburgh, the backyard brawl hadn't been played in more than a decade. It was absolutely dynamic last month yeah. when that game was played. So that's a perfect example of what you're saying. Uh, and also, and I'm wondering if you're looking at my notes. Are you in the room with me? Uh, President's Cup this week. The Americans are ten and a half point favorites. I, I could never be less interested in an international golf event, and that's sad because my favorite sporting event, above all things, Peter, even college football, is the Ryder Cup, and this is just hollow for me. How are you feeling? Yeah, I mean, it, listen, I, I feel like it's two different things. I think the Ryder Cup will always live in that upper echelon, right? U.S. versus Europe, there's just something to it, the vitriol. I feel like the President's Cup is a little bit more kind of loose and fun, and I'm, I'm here in Charlotte where they're playing it in Quill Hollow, and, I mean, the fan, you know, the, you know, fan bases are excited about it. I mean, the, the, it's, the whole, it's taken over the whole damn city, honestly. Um, but I'm with you, and I, I will tell you this. The, uh, you know, I, I just had a buddy of uh, asked me a couple of days ago, or actually a couple of minutes ago before we started this interview, he asked me if I wanted to go tomorrow, and I told him no. And the only reason why, Scott, is like watching golf on television is vastly superior than watching it at the actual tournament, especially on like a Ryder Cup or President's Cup type event where there's only, you know, you know a couple of groups on the course at a time. So uh, mark me as my, I'm an old man, you know, guy now telling everybody to get off my yard saying I'd rather watch it on television so I could see all of it. I, I, I agree with you up until the part when it gets to Sunday, and this is where I'm going to set you straight. We will go to Italy next year. And we'll be with you and I. I will take you to a Ryder Cup on Sunday, and you have never experienced anything like it, Peter. It's unbelievable. Now, I will. I will say this. I will tell you one day about the story of 2016, where not only was I at the Ryder Cup in Hazeltine, I was inside the ropes, and I snuck in into the actual USA team party and the European Ryder Cup party after the Ryder Cup. Uh, it's a story <laughs> that. Uh, cannot live necessarily on terrestrial radio, so we'll have to do like a special podcast <laughs> where I don't get censored version of it. And then I'll counter with 04, drunk Darren Clark hands me the Ryder Cup. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. Okay, that's pretty good. I got to admit, that one's a good. <laughs> He's Peter Burns of the SEC Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Peter Burns ESPN. Peter, enjoy the games. Enjoy the golf. We will chat again soon, brother. Hey, I will tell you this, guy. I do probably 20 of these interviews a week, and nobody asks better questions, and I look forward to this more than you. So keep up the good work down there, and we'll holler at you soon, all right? I appreciate that, Peter. Have a good one, brother. All right, buddy. See you. That's Peter Burns joining us on the Say Tama Hotline. Peter Burns' weekly appearance on the Scott Hamilton Show, courtesy of Blue Delta Jeans. Each pair of Blue Delta Jeans, handmade in the USA, to fit you and only you. And if you're new to Blue Delta Jeans, let's get you fit right now. Visit BlueDeltaJeans.com. Stick around. More of the Scott Hamilton Show to come.